Hello, welcome everyone, and welcome to our special Focus 100 Pounder meeting. Today is Wednesday, the 7th of February, and I'm delighted to introduce our speaker, Stephanie L. Stephanie came to OA 18 years ago and lives in California. And uh, Stephanie, we'd love to hear your story. Well, thank you so much for um, patience with me this morning. It's been one of those mornings. I needed to get up super early so that I could be here stationary at work to join you guys. And our atrium was flooding because we've had a tremendous amount of rains in California. So that kept us up a lot of the night. And then I couldn't sleep and I had four alarms set. And then when finally my alarm, the last alarm went out, I didn't hear it. So I'm a little behind. I want to make an amends to the group. And I also want to say thank you so much for letting me cross the pond and join you today. It is quite an honor. So let me get the numbers. Um, and I do have some pictures, too, that I can get queued up on my laptop here. Um, let me get the numbers out of the way. So, yeah, I've been in a way for, for a bit, for a minute. Um, about 18 years, and I wish that I could say to you, oh, and I've got 18 years of um, recovery. And unfortunately, that's just not, that's just not my story. I've had long periods of being recovered, and I've had long periods of relapse. And I'll show you some pictures here. Um, let me share my screen and start with that. Just a second. Get this off my screen. Okay, let me know if you guys can see that. Looks like you can. So this was, um, I like to show this picture because this is me recovered, had some time about three years, a little over three years. Um, that is my grandson. My first day going back to school to get my bachelor's degree. Changing career. Uh, one of the gifts that this uh, recovery has given me. There's my grandson. Happy, smiling, can't wait. Little did I know, or I couldn't even imagine that within three months I was going to be in relapse, right? And then here is graduation day. And let me make this a little smaller so you can kind of get the breath of that. Not even at my top weight. So my top weight is 250 pounds. I was in relapse for two years. In that relapse, I gained 110 pounds back. And I don't gain it slowly. I'm not one of those, well, I just kind of ate throughout the day. I'm that hardcore binger who at some point am living to eat. That 110 pounds I gained within like six to eight months of that relapse. And you can see, same grandson, a little older. And I don't even know why I allowed them to take that picture, quite honestly. And then... This was two years ago at the OA birthday party with my 
um, sponsor and my sobriety sisters in OA. And then here I am with my besties at the OA birthday party two years ago. We, these two ladies and I have been walking this path for over eight years together. And we decided to get tattoos to signify our friendship and our spiritual journey. And so there we were at not this year's, but last year's birthday party. And I like to show the progression of the disease and then the progression of recovery. And I'll stop sharing my screen. And, you know, the, the first thing I do want to say is, and I do want to do it through any prayer real quick for myself, because my mind is a little frazzled. Um, I was so worried that I was going to get here late. And so I'd like to say the serenity prayer. God, please grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And God, please speak through me. Please work through me. Please calm my mind, calm my spirit, and know that you are the answer to all my problems. And and that's what I will say. God is the hero of my story, right? Being in LA all this time, I was like, I was like that person who, you know, walk around with the big book, go to face-to-face meetings, hold it up. This book is saving my life. These steps are saving my life, right? What I didn't get, and I'm sure I heard it a million times, but what I didn't get is this book outlines the program and how to work these 12 steps that connect me with this power that I don't have. Because that's the problem. Food isn't the problem. I use food to solve the problem. My problem is I don't know how to live this life. I don't know how to live this life in a sober state. And I say that I'm not in any other program. OA is my jam. I I say in a sober state, a sober state from the food or from those food behaviors. Because at an early age, I always wanted more. Always. Why do I have this disease? I don't know. I I think I was born that way because I can't remember a time where I wasn't you know, running in the fridge and grabbing something that I wasn't supposed to have. And I was like, haven't you had enough? One is enough, enough, my mom would say to me. Well, you know what? Enough is never enough. Because I have this, 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 this hole in my soul that I didn't understand then. And my brother didn't eat like me. And my mother didn't eat like me. I was a kid at the, at, the sleepover party when I was a teenager who waited for everyone else to walk away from the food table so I could keep eating the pizza or the other items on the table, right? I was, you know, the adult who would go to the restaurant and wouldn't eat in front of you, but then would go to the store and buy the cake everyone was eating and go eat it in private in my shame. And I didn't understand, right? I tried every everything. And by the way, I've gained and lost a hundred pounds multiple times in my life. 
I've gained and lost 100 times before I got to OA. And I gained and lost 100 pounds twice in OA. Right? And I have the skin, I have the skin to prove it. <laughs> I always laugh. I got plenty of skin. It's all over the place. Right? You know, thank God my, my husband is also in this program and he's a 500 pounder. And, um, you know, we always laugh and he calls it his relapse prevention, <laughs> right? That if he relapses, he's got some skin that will work because it can be extremely painful. And I think the, the 100 pounder thing, you know, the obsession of the mind, I think most of us who are compulsive over eaters deal with, but that hundred pounder, you know, like walking on an airplane and getting a middle seat and looking at the faces of the two people I'm going to sit between and sitting like this the whole time because I'm spilling over on either side of the seat, demoralizing, right? I remember I, I had a job where I supervised people and I heard them giggling one time saying, just take her out to lunch. She'll be much better. She'll be much easier to deal with. Just feed her. I remember hearing that. Frothy emotional appeal. Uh, my mom and dad telling me they'd buy me a whole new wardrobe if I lost weight. Couldn't stop eating. Right? I couldn't do it. And then I want to fast forward to this relapse, which I relapsed on January 1st. I, I just I just hit three years of being out of relapse and being recovered. So um, I don't know what year that was, but on January 1st, I had a resentment. I was pissed off at my sponsor. I was pissed off that she was telling me that I had to do something. And all day I fumed and I only called people who co-signed my bullshit. And after over three years of not taking a compulsive bite, I thought it was a good idea to eat some cheese that weren't on my food plan because I can eat cheese. And then I ate that cheese and I thought it was a really good idea to go out in the garage and take the cake out from Christmas and eat that. And by the end of the day, I was binging my brains out as if I had never stopped binging. It was like, yes. we, we talk about the progression of the disease, right? And the disease had progressed. And for me, when I am in that place and in that state, I become suicidal. I, I'm eating against my will. You know, I was working with a sponsee yesterday and we were working in the, in the doctor's opinion and we were talking about that paragraph on page XXVIII, where it talks about when men and women drink essentially because they like the effect. Well, I needed the effect because I didn't think, and this is someone who had been recovered before, but I couldn't, I couldn't get past, like, I couldn't get past the pain because it's painful not being in the food and not having a spiritual solution. It's a tremendous amount of pain. And it says that the sensation is so elusive that while they think it's, they admit it's injurious, they cannot differentiate the true from the false. My compulsively overeating life was my life. 
right? I wake up in the morning and go, oh my God, oh my God, what did I eat yesterday? How much weight did I gain? Am I going to have any clothes that fit? Oh my God, what am I going to do? I feel awful. Okay, I'll get a new sponsor. Okay, I'll go to a new meeting. Okay, I'll get a new food plan. I'll go to a new faction of OA. All these ideas, right? I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And then by the middle of the day, I become irritable, restless, discontent. And the lie comes back. You need this. You're going to have an anxiety attack. It's only one day. It's only one bite. You're going to be fine. You'll fix it tomorrow. And then I binge myself to sleep on the couch watching Netflix. You know, go to bed at three in the morning and tell my husband I don't want to live like this anymore. Wake him up and say, where's the gun? I want to die. I can't do this anymore. Because I'm literally eating against my will. I'm crying as I'm shoving the food in my mouth. I don't want to do it. I see it as an act of self-harm because the way I ate, it was a, it was like a, a violent, like I couldn't even taste it. Get it in faster and faster and faster, looking for the relief that lasted maybe 10 seconds and then it was gone. Chasing, chasing that, that feeling and I wasn't even feeling it anymore. And then the spree starts again, but here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. This is repeated over and over. And unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there's very little hope of his recovery. And that entire psychic change is that spiritual experience, that connection with a higher power I call God, this God of my understanding, who has transformed me. You know, because the doctor's opinion also says, you know, you can't, you can't eat certain foods. You can't eat certain foods without kicking off the allergy. And that is true. There are certain foods, certain food behaviors. Well, if that was the only problem, then I just won't eat sugar again. I just won't do X, Y, and Z, and I'm fine. But the bigger problem for me is the obsession of the mind that tells me even after periods of not having the substance in my body, that I need it. That it is the only thing that is going to make me feel better. That I deserve it. I deserve to rest. It's been a hard day. Can't I just lay down on the couch and fuck, you know, sorry, potty mouth. I work with teenagers. <laughs> I'm really bad um, And so... They gave us, they give us hope. They say once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol or for us food. The only effort necessary being that he required a few simple rules. And that means, and now I'll hold up my book and say, that means that I'm willing to, I have to be willing to go to any length to work these steps, right? That connect me with this God of my understanding that is solving this problem for me, that fights this problem for me, that is more powerful than the food. It's more powerful than the obsession, right? Because I can't fight it on my own. It's this, this moment of surrender 
where I'm out of ideas. I've tried. I can't fix it. There is nothing I can do. And as, as, you know, being 250 pounds in the middle of COVID, barely moving, I I huffed and puffed. If I walked down the street, I'd go from the bed to my chair, back to the bed. I could barely do hygiene. You know, being that weight in my 20s is very different than being that weight in my 50s. It was an extreme level of physical discomfort. My hips hurt, my back hurt. I was in tremendous physical pain. And all I wanted to do was numb out in the food. And all I wanted to do was not numb out in the food. And so my sponsor always talks about God puts out these search and rescue missions for compulsive overeaters like us. And I needed to be rescued. And I attend the OA birthday party every year, no matter if I am, um, I never leave OA, but I, I attend no matter what. And I'll tell you the year that I was at my top weight, I went to the OA birthday party. It was the last one that we were in person before COVID. And I walked up to people, my friends, people I hadn't seen in a while and said, hi. And they would look at my name tag because they didn't recognize me. These are people I've known for years. And that was incomprehensible demoralization. Oh, Stephanie, and that look in their eye, right? So then fast forward, um, I'm hopeless. I'm suicidal, I'm hiding from my family. You know, my husband's in this program, couldn't eat in front of him. So I'd go to Starbucks because I could get on their Wi-Fi with my laptop, fill my car with binge foods and just sit in my car. And it's so funny because you know little kids who think you can't see me if I can't see you, like, like, like a one-year-old? Well, here I am. <laughs> in the car, <laughs> with Netflix, in the car, for hours, binging, people are walking by, they're like, and I'm like, you can't see me, you can't see me, I didn't care, I didn't care, I needed the escape, so, oh, my birthday party's going on, I, I see something on Facebook, I'm like, all right, whatever, I register for it, online, I keep my camera off, I'm binging, there's crumbs all over my laptop. And I hear this woman, and it wasn't just that I heard this woman, I see this woman and her eyes are sparkling. She's wearing lipstick. And she looks, she just looks like she's filled with joy. And she's talking about the pitfalls of relapse. But she says something that I am sure I've probably heard before, but you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, she said, you can have all the desire in the world and not the needed power. And literally the cookie dropped out of my mouth. It did. I'm not being dramatic. I was like, huh? I'm sure I heard that before, but I, I heard it in that moment. Because guess what? People were telling me, you don't want it enough. You're not desperate enough. You're not. You know, go get three days and call me. I can't work the steps with you until you have 30 days. What? I'm dying. I can't even get through a day. How am I supposed to do this? 
And this woman said, you could have all desire in the world and not the needed power. And man, did I hear her. Her eyes were clear, bright red lipstick, had 38 years of continuously being recovered. And so I called her and um, she called me back. Whoa, she called me back. And she walked me through um, what it would take. And she said, are you willing to go to any length? And I said, I am. And I don't know if this is going to work for me because I feel like I've exhausted all of my recoveries. It's 20 minutes, Stephanie. Thank you. I feel like I'm done. I don't, I, I, I don't want to live like this. I really don't want to die. And I don't know if this is going to work for me anymore. And she said, do you believe it's working for me? And I said, absolutely. Look at you. Absolutely. So she said, hold on to that. She gave me an assignment. She gave me a list of expectations, which kind of like the bait and switch. They weren't expectations. They were not negotiable. Here's what willing to go to any length looks like, period, period, right? And I did all those things. And I'll tell you, the first thing she said is, you know, if you don't have the human power, if your power, human power has failed you, then you need a higher power. And so you're going to start tomorrow spending 30 minutes in the morning with God. And I'm like, and I didn't say it because I'm a good little soldier, but in my head, I'm like, what? I'm going to spend 30 minutes. I, I'm in graduate school. I work. I have a two-year-old grandson that lives with us that I take care of, that we're the legal guardians of, right? What? But I did it. And I, I turned my timer on because I'm a good soldier. And I sat there and I'm like, God, I don't even know if you exist anymore. I can't believe you did this to me. I'm pissed off. You gave me this recovery and then you took it away. You really fucked me, God. And I'm not okay with it. And I looked down and I'm very visual and I pictured I'm on a park bench and I'm on one side and God's on the other. And I'm looking down going, I'm here because I was told to be here and I want nothing to do with you. But I can't do this by myself. So. I think I'm pretty screwed. And then I did an outreach call later that day and I shared this experience. I'm like, what do you do during this prayer meditation time? And she's like, wow, Stephanie, maybe every day you just picture getting a little bit closer to God. And maybe one day you'll look at God and maybe one day this, the combo will change. I don't know. And by the way, that first week I could barely sleep because my body was so used to binging myself to sleep every night. I was like, like this at night. But I didn't want to go back. I was willing to sit through the pain. I was willing to go to any length for what my, my sponsor outlined for me in the 10th step promises. And so the next day I'm on the park bench. Hey, kind of like, hey, hey, you know, sit down, look down, can't look at them. I'm here. I'm here again. I'm here. And you know, this funny thing happened by the end of the week. I could look and then we're having a dialogue and then I start doing two-way prayer where 
I'm writing a le- I'm writing a letter to God. God's writing back, and we're starting to sit together. We're starting to work step two because we worked steps very quickly. I got through it in eight weeks. Started sponsoring at nine weeks. By that second week, the obsession was lifted, and I have not experienced it since. And that is a miracle. The obsession. How do you go from a despairing, trembling wreck? to someone who is able to get through the day without taking up that first bite. And I know it didn't come from me. I know it was done to me. So step two was a beautiful step for me. This new relationship. Because here's what I've learned. I have to build a relationship with God. It's not, it's like with my husband. If I don't spend time with my husband, our relationship suffers or my kids. If I don't spend time, if I don't show up for God, how do I expect to grow and enlarge my spiritual life? You know, and in Bill's story, Bill says it quite beautifully. He explains, he says on page 14, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. If he drank, he would surely die. And then faith would be dead indeed. And so that tells me that in order for me to perfect and enlarge my spiritual life, I have to do work and self-sacrifice for others. There are times I feel I wake up feeling depressed or life is lifey and things happen and I'm not happy about it. You know, but the answer is to go to God and ask God what God would have me do. And to the self-sacrifice from others means sponsoring. It's not always convenient, right? Sometimes I sponsor people at 530 in the morning. It's not convenient. I got to get up at five, do my 30 minutes prayer meditation, and then, you know, get, get ready for work. It's not always convenient. But I, I worked really hard to be in the disease, finding the food, getting the food, getting rid of the food, commiserating about the food. I got to work really hard to stay, to stay connected with this God who I know today loves me unconditionally, who put out that search and rescue mission. And, the, and when that search and rescue mission came out, like when I was drowning in the flood, and someone, and this woman who was my sponsor threw me the life preserver. I didn't say to her, I don't want the pink one. I want the blue one. I didn't say, I'm not willing to do that. I said, I'm willing to do to any length, or go to any length to recover, whatever you want me to do. And I trusted her. And then if we go to the 10 step promises, which are really my favorite, my favorite promises. On page 84, bottom, it says, and this is what I'm promised if I work these steps. This is what it tells me when I get to step 10, I'm getting this. We have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol for us food. 
for by this time, sanity will have returned. So that insanity of eating against my will and shoving food in my mouth and hurting myself, and like the self-harm with the food is insanity. And this is saying, by this time, sanity will have returned. We'll seldom be interested in liquor. I make my grandson this popcorn surprise thing every night. My hands are in this and my hands are in that. And my hands are in that. And I put it in a bowl and I'm just like, enjoy, dude, whatever. I don't care. I don't care. If tempted, we recoil from a hot flame, right? And react sanely and normally. We will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle. If I work these steps, as outlined in this book, that connect me with power, this is what I'm promised. This is, this is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe, protected. We haven't even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. This is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And I believe today that I never have to compulsively overeat again. Because it gives me very clear instructions. I've worked through all 12 steps. Today, I do 10 steps throughout the day when I get resentful or afraid. I send a 10 step out, talk to someone about it, see my part, make amends. I continue to grow and enlarge my spiritual life. I start in the morning with a prayer and meditation. I do a nightly review that I, re I review with an accountability partner. I pray. I work with teenagers. Nine times out of 10, when I am sitting there with them, I am praying, God, show me how to help this person. God, show me what you would have me do here. Do you want me just to sit? Do you want me to say something? What? What up, God? What? What do you want me to do? Right. Um. So I try to connect with God all through the day, and then I sponsor. I sponsor women, and it's not always convenient. Last night I worked with someone. It was not convenient. My six-year-old grandson thought it was funny to run behind me and scream "bah" at me every five minutes. Note to self: don't, don't, don't work with a sponsee while he's awake. Okay. Um, but yeah, life, my marriage is better. My relationships with my children are better. Life is good. And that miracle is available to everyone here. Thank you for letting me share.